everyone. Welcome back to another episode of AWM Insights. It's your power three, two CPWAs and a CFA. We are Eric, Brandon, and Justin. And each week we cover what you need to know to capture the returns that you deserve and invest like a pro. And last week, what a historic week it was. We saw President Joe Biden sworn into office and Kamala Harris become the United States first female vice president the highest ranking official ever elected for office in the United States, and also the first African-American and first Asian-American vice president. And as three dads of uh, young daughters, I know that we are excited for the future uh, of our country. And President Biden also wasted absolutely no time making international news with the third executive order of his new administration, President Joe Biden put the U.S. back into the Paris Agreement, which initially was uh, finalized in 2015. The Climate Change Accord saw 143 countries, including the United States, agree to limit the global temperature increases to less than two degrees Celsius. But before we get into how this should or could impact the investment markets, there's some other news we want to make sure to be able to cover with you guys. Yeah, absolutely, Eric. I, you know, there's no shortage of news hitting hitting the waves right now. Um, you know, we started off hot with, uh, you know, Treasury Secretary uh, Janet Yellen announcing even more stimulus. Uh, markets absolutely uh, took that news and, and reacted positively. So we've seen uh, no indication, at least, of a slowdown of support for. For the economy and uh, stock market so far is is taking that in stride. We also saw on the individual company front some really interesting news. Uh, Microsoft joining up with GM to help be their cloud partner, and and I think more importantly potentially bringing a whole uh, a whole bunch of capital to the game to help them in this uh, this transition towards the autonomous driving. Uh, towards you know converting to more electric vehicles. So some pretty interesting stuff there. Um, you know, on the personal front or the AWM front, we we saw some great news with Hims uh, now being listed on the New York Stock Exchange. So that SPAC uh, SPAC acquisition being closed up, and um, them now trading as a public company yeah, that started on Thursday. So some pretty exciting stuff there. Um, and kind of sticking with that, we've talked with about Impossible Foods for a while. They've made some big moves and announced that they've hired the former UN. Uh, the head of climate for the for the UN, and really she's credited with uh, with being the creator of the the Paris Agreement that you reference on the in, uh, the introduction. So some pretty interesting stuff there. Kind of maybe it leads to hey, part of this uh, carbon emissions reduction might extend beyond the cars and, and and solar and all the things that we've talked about or thought about when when we're talking about this stuff and might get into food and agriculture, which is kind of cool. And let's not forget the uh, the Bitcoin conversation. I think we've hit on it every week for the past six weeks or uh, six insights, but we're going to continue it again because we've just saw that jaw-dropping kind of extreme volatility take hold again. Um, but, you know, I think the other big deal uh, that's hitting the news is Biden's pl pledged $2 trillion to creating a clean energy future. Uh, and I know we certainly want to hit on that today. 
So yeah, let, let's jump into this whole topic of uh, ESG investing, really, because it re relates to everything we're talking about with the Paris Climate Accord, Biden's uh, pledge for clean energy future, and how that potentially impacts portfolios and, and our approach, certainly. So um, I mean, first and foremost, let's define it, right? Um, ESG is an incredibly broad uh, topic or, or term. It's generally is environmental. So think green things that really lines up with uh, a lot of what we're talking about right now, the Paris Climate Accord, et cetera. Um, social responsibility. So that's more in terms of, uh, you know, diverse, diversity representation, um, how uh, partner factories or manufacturing are treating their employees, et cetera, et cetera. And then governance, the, the, the final G is governance. And that's really... Uh, how how the board structure is set up to govern the actual entity. So it's a really broad topic in and of itself. I kind of don't like that it's all lumped into one. I mean, <laughs> it is it is um, I guess an easy uh, easier mouthful to, to to think about. And in the past, we've used different terms for it. SRI, socially responsible investing, is another term that's been bantered about. Uh, not so much anymore. And even going back to I think around the the turn of the. Uh, 2000s, uh, there was something called CSR, corporate social responsibility. So it's not new at all. It certainly is making mu much more headlines recently um, and certainly on the environmental side of things. So, you know, how we think about this specifically is uh, we actually do um, uh, engage in some sort of sustainable um, tilting within a, a decent number of our portfolios. Not all of our portfolios, we do have certain flavors, if you will, with, within portfolios, but we, we do uh, have an overlay of a sustainability screen to, to see what the overall impact and, and minimize the overall impact from a, a sustainability slash environmental uh, standpoint. Um, and we, we do really both believe in that from a value standpoint, but also from a uh, go, go forward rate of return standpoint, right? Um, plenty of, uh, of a very high powered influential individuals are basically saying that this, this is here to stay, right? Um, companies are taking it into account in, in almost everything they do on a, on a go forward basis. So it certainly is going to be, uh, if not a driver of return, certainly, a, a, a point of discussion around all investments going forward. Yeah. And, and I love this topic. I think one of the things I like to do when we start to have this conversation is take a step back and zoom out and really ask the why. Why is this even important? And for us at AWM, uh, we've shared this, I think, every single time we're on here, that our mission is uh, to help unlock the full potential of our clients' wealth for maximum impact, first on their families, the community and the world at large. And so we strive to, to help our clients gain that clarity on what impact means to them personally. And then ultimately we distill that down into some clear priorities. We architect a plan to, to help them maximize both their financial and human capital. And then hopefully to efficiently deploy those resources towards achieving those priorities, which creates that impact that they've desired. And so how and where we invest our money is as important a part of that process. And it has tremendous implications on the impact that we're going to achieve. So how, where, and, and what we invest in goes 
far beyond financial returns. And and one of the other things that we have here at AWM is this motto of of owning your wealth. And we understand that that we're owners of companies and therefore we own the responsibility of the impact that the dollars generate in the world. And so our investment philosophy, yes, it's absolutely to pursue these higher expected returns, but it's also to maintain the alignment with the social priorities and the philosophies that are so important to us. And so I always like to set that table is before, you know, money is impact, wealth is impact, and it isn't just about achieving some financial return for the means of a financial return. And so this uh, starts at the very base level of our clients' priorities all the way into how we deploy capital. Yeah, Eric, I think that's a fantastic point. And I think we're in this golden age a little bit too, where uh, it used to be the case that you know all these screens, and if you wanted to gain some sort of sustainability or social responsibility within your investment portfolio, you had to give something up. Uh, you know, there was often just the trade-off, right? If I want this, I know I'm going to give up some return. And what we've seen is that that's just no longer true. Um, and you you really can have that better, you know, that really good investment experience, still expect the returns, the higher expected returns, and allocate your portfolio in a way that's going to support your your values and what truly matters towards that impact. And, and Quite frankly, we've actually even seen that with, especially when you're looking at carbon emission reduction specifically, um, that whole concept has, you know, those tilts have created an expectation of higher returns. And I think as we look at these news cycles and we see how the economy is changing, it's hard not to think uh, that that's going to continue to show up in the data. We're going to see more and more investment into these areas. Um, So, you know, we... We certainly never um, undermine the, the client investment experience. We, we still want the returns that we deserve, right? We'd never jeopardize that by tilting a portfolio in a way that we wouldn't still expect that. But uh, it's really neat to see the data starting to show that, that you can have both, uh, both worlds. And um, I know we're all personally excited about that and, and clients are certainly benefiting from it. Yeah, and and, and just to oh. reference uh, the research report, um, and then I'll let you go on it, Justin, is just head over to awminsights.com. We put a link in there. There's this really cool research report done that looks at the performance of over 11,000 mutual funds from 2004 all the way to 2019. That uh, th- The first part is, is cool because it shows that there's no financial trade-off in the returns, but then something showed up that I don't think anybody actually expected that it actually demonstrates lower downside risk. So uh, you're not jeopardizing on the returns and you're actually seeing less volatility in the underlying funds. And I think we could probably talk about maybe why that shows up, but I mean, it, it, it sounds great in the sense that I can get same returns, lower risk, and my money could be making an impact the way that it positively should be. Right, and so I'll, I'll touch on the risks side of things. And, and logically, it kind of actually makes sense if you tar- start to take a step back where companies behaving badly, let, let's just broadly <laughs> say that, right, w- within ES and or G, right, That's a, there's a cost to that conceptually, right? If someone, if a company has really, really poor governance, that's going to catch up with them at some point in time, right? And so they're riskier companies and, and capital or markets are, are kind of waking up to that, if you will. 
you know, you could make some arguments around the environmental side of things and how you truly define it and measure it. And, and to Brandon's point, we're getting a lot better at that. Um, and then in terms of how we implement uh, implement this concept, I wanted to touch on that a little bit. And that is, you know, we're, we're able to do it nowadays by tilting portfolios, but still really broadly diversifying across the marketplace, right? We're not taking crazy concentrated risk in, you know, solar companies, as an example, if we're doing this within portfolios that and there, there's concentration risk there and there's risk inherent in that. And we don't generally subscribe to that with a port within a portfolio construction um, philosophy. Right. So we're able to take broad based exposure, get that good uh, diversification benefits around the world, but then look at companies that are doing things in a better fashion and favor them within the portfolios versus those that are that are not doing it. So it's a really nice blend of of that um, that general philosophy of of staying invested, keeping exposure to global asset classes, but doing so with with this lens or filter slash tilt to to these these better business practices, basically. Yeah. And I, I think one of the things that strikes me as we're having this conversation, it actually is very much undergirded by the way that we talk about, should you invest in Bitcoin or should you invest in Tesla or you, should you invest in real estate or private equity and venture capital is, it all starts back with you of who you are as a client. I think one of the things that we say is it's totally irresponsible for us to give you financial advice or tell you what to invest in if we don't actually have a relationship with you. We don't understand what are your values? What are your priorities? What are the risks that you're willing to take? And because it's all about creating a customized, uh, personalized plan so that we're putting the best investment strategy that's going to align with who you are and what you want to achieve. And you know, unfortunately, I think a lot of times we stop that conversation at, okay, based off that, this is how much stocks you should have, and this is how much bonds you should have, and this is how much cash or maybe alternatives, that we don't take that step further to say, okay, let's actually talk about those companies. Let's talk about, do you care where your dollars show up at the end result? And, you know, we've seen some incredible movements in the power of humanity when we stand up and push things aside. You know, it's it's awareness of human trafficking month right now, right? We've seen collectively that we agree as humanity, these are not good practices, you know, child labor laws and these type of things. And this is where we get to take that step further and say, as we deploy capital, you actually get to vote with your dollars, you know, and we hear this. So we, we go to Whole Foods and we buy organic food, it's no different with your investments. And so I encourage you to sit down with your, you know, certified financial planner and your team and ask the hard questions and say, you know, are we just going after some arbitrary number or are we actually having an intent and a purpose of how we're deploying my family's capital? Yeah, Eric, I think that's a fantastic point. And I think what we're seeing, right, is the more and more people that are coming in the doors. I mean, this is something that's really, really um, becoming a want and a need from the marketplace. And I think this is evidenced by certainly how, you know, policies are being set. It's becoming more, everybody's becoming more and more aware. I was talking with a, another advisor at a really respected uh, financial group here in Southern California, and they had mentioned that they hadn't had a new client in 
about a year that hadn't come in and wanted to make sure that their investment portfolio reflected their values. Um, and it was just a really neat conversation to have. Um, and so we, we learned quite a bit about implementing those conversations with our clients. But, you know, it's it's just I think it's a really fun time to be in this business because you're allowed to implement solutions in the way that Justin was mentioning, where your values are going to align with the the higher expected returns that you deserve. Uh, and that just hasn't always been the case. So it's it's a fun topic. Yeah. And I, I would just add kind of in closing on this is is um, we're not just blindly doing this, right? We've <laughs> kind of hit on it time and time again. We're, we're, we're still seeking high highest expected returns within this framework, right? We're, we're able to tilt, we're able to in, influence the allocation of your capital to match your values. And that's really, really, really powerful. But we're always going to be looking at it, right? If for some reason, we the trend gets too expensive or doesn't seem to work anymore. Hey, we're gonna we're gonna have the conversation with clients and say, hey, this might not make sense anymore given what's going on in the marketplace. Like, I just want people to to understand that we're always looking at this. We're always measuring how it potentially impacts expected rates of return, your overall financial structure and and your values right it's not this hey set it and forget it type approach it's it's always in conjunction and in concert with each other yeah and in and in closing i think that that's so important that you have heard us speak about on this podcast for the last year is when we say it's capturing the returns you deserve it's stuff that is evidence based that is backed by you know the smartest academic research that's available and we've seen it, you know, be persistent. It's been pervasive. It's it's shown up over time that we can say, hey, with high confidence, this is the best situation you can be in. And, and so every week, it's the same way that we're uh, encouraging you, uh, imploring with you to not take your hard-earned dollars and put them in things that, that academic evidence just flat out says is not going to work over the long term. And so we apply that same rigor on every part of your investment portfolio. And we encourage you to make sure that, that your advisors are doing that for you. And you know you can access all this information over at awminsights.com. This is a massive topic that we could not do justice and distill down in a 10, 12 minute conversation. So please reach out, provide the questions. If you wanna know exactly how we build out these portfolios, what are the resources to turn to to learn more about it, we would love to hear from you. And until next time, stay humble, stay hungry, and always be a pro. The information in this podcast is educational and general in nature and does not take into consideration the listener's personal circumstances. Therefore, it is not intended to be a substitute for specific, individualized financial, legal, or tax advice. To determine which strategies or investments may be suitable for you, consult the appropriate qualified professional prior to making a final decision.